challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Hello, America. How are you doing? Uh, thank you for joining us from America and all around the world. We are awaiting uh, the uh, very, very popular. I'm telling you, you're so fortunate today. Listen, I'm going to play something. I'm going to help him link in really quick. If you, uh, if you would enjoy this really, really fast. Um, I know you'll enjoy it. It's it's from last night's uh, broadcast, and I know you're going to love it. It's by Ray Seaman. And if you haven't listened to that broadcast, you got to listen. So give me a couple of minutes. I'll give you a sample of this. We'll be right back with you. He slips out to the front porch and looks up at the stars thinks back on all the good years he's been given he's grateful for the life he's lived though sometimes it's been hard fending for his daughter's faith and a faithful wife all he ever wanted was to be a troubadour for Jesus And up until today He's given his all But he's given into pain and age That naturally comes upon us He sits down and puts it all In the hands of God Listen to the radio, you won't hear him. Watch it on the TV, he's not there. Read it in the news today, you won't see a word. He's headed home to be with God. Well, that's just a sample for you. And uh, he played that live, man, rip your heart out. He played another song about his son, Adam, and, uh, oh, man, really powerful, really, really powerful. So we're trying to link up uh, Mr. David Rubin. Let me tell you really quick, uh, this show is going to be all David Rubin, and uh, it's exciting. It's really, really cool how this works out. But um, my friend, Mary Beth, great, great lady, hard worker for God, and does amazing things, uh, just a, amazing, amazing things. And so she connected me 
with Mr. Rubin and just a fantastic thing. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to bring him on and I'll tell you a little bit about Mr. Rubin. He's the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel. And I don't, I'm going to get him to explain to you exactly where Shiloh is, because I think that's very, very important to know. And Mr. Rubin, he's the founder and president of Shiloh Israel Children's Fund, and he established this to heal the trauma of terror victim children. I mean, and, and he, would, he would know what that feels like, because he and his three-year-old son were seriously wounded in a terror shooting attack. And uh, I don't know how many people out there can, can say they've been shot. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one of few, I guess. And, and so he and his son were seriously injured in this. And so he knows terrorism right up front. He knows that it's not something that he read about or saw on television. So, but what did Mr. Rubin do? A lot of people, something like that happens. They're just going to take, they're going to take that event and they're going to say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to be angry. I'm just going to be angry, and I'm, I'm not going to channel any, any of that energy towards something positive. Uh, but what Mr. Rubin did, he took this terrible tragedy. He made good come from it. He made actual good come from this by authoring uh, you know, several very powerful books, five books I think he's up to. And he speaks all over the world on the true story of terrorism, the impact of terrorism on even the most innocent children. And, and I, I want you to understand do you realize what our greatest ally, the peaceful people of God's chosen Israel, do you know what they deal with on a daily basis in their sovereign homeland and the land of the book? And if you watch mainstream media, you probably don't know the truth of what these great people of Israel face on a daily basis. Um, I, I just want to tell you two things to write down, not if you're driving, the Islamic tsunami and peace for peace. Now he has uh, he has uh, two websites. He has www.davidrubinisrael.com and www.shilohisraelchildren.org. So that's a very important thing, Mr. Rubin. It's such an honor to have you. Thank you so much for. I, I think are you flying out today? Uh, no, I will be flying back to Israel on on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. But I've, I've been here for a couple of weeks on a speaking tour in the southern part of the United States. Oh, we lost you. Can barely hear you. Well, I've, I was, hey, hey, uh, I was on a, okay, I was on a speaking tour in the southern part of the United States, and uh, now I, I'm in New York City for two days, and then I fly back. Awesome. Now you're from Brooklyn originally. Am I, am I right in that? Yes. Yes, I am. Awesome. See, I think I've a lot of people Israel. don't realize. I've been in Israel I think for 25 years. Awesome. And, uh, but, but, uh, yes, yes. I'm, uh, I'm still a dual citizen in two countries. Well, I think a lot of people don't realize, uh, that there, there are a lot of people uh, from the United States originally, you know, maybe born in the United States that, um, are Israeli citizens now and, ha and ha may in fact have dual citizenship like yourself. So, <coughs> excuse me, tell me, <coughs> what have you been in America speaking about? What's been the motivation for this big tour? Well, it's, uh, it's a tour that I, I, I do every, every single year, several times a year, I get to different locations. And uh, basically, I'm speaking about uh, about three things. Uh, one is uh, 
the amazing miracle of Israel returning to its country, uh, to its land, and rebuilding it again as a sovereign nation after 2,000 years of being scattered around the world, uh, persecuted in every country that we lived in. Yes, we were successful in many of those countries, but we were also persecuted, slaughtered, expelled, and so on for 2,000 years. And then we miraculously came back to the land in, in, in true, truly in fulfillment of prophecy, if anybody has ever read uh, the writings of the prophets. Um, I had never read it before uh, and, and until I, I started to become very interested in Israel and while I was still living in the United States. Uh, but uh, the more I read, the more amazed I was at how Everything was predicted. That all, you know, you, you, you can't. You can make predictions. You know, I'm 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 also a political analyst. I'm asked to make predictions all the time. Uh, but to predict who's going to win an election, or to, or to predict uh, when, you know, when and how uh, Israel is going to uh, respond to Iran's nuclear program is 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 one thing. But to predict that uh, that an ancient people that's that's uh, scattered around the world and and uh, persecuted in every country uh, over two thousand years is going to come back to their little tiny country that's about the size of New Jersey and mm. and build it up again and and be uh, admired around the world, hated in some parts of the world, yes, but admired uh, for its accomplishments. It's an amazing thing. It's just uh, it's something that that defies the imagination, and that uh, and that's one of the things that that brought me uh, closer to uh, Israel, and 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 that encouraged me eventually to move to Israel. And I've been there twenty five years, as you know. How was that? How how was that transition from the United States to Israel? What? You we hear about people making Aliyah and uh, and and how different it is, and uh, some people, you know, uh, I've talked to several people in Israel who say, um, "You look, you want to come here several times, spend some time here, experience Israel um, firsthand for a little bit before you go on this process of Aliyah." Can you explain what it was like for you? Uh, to go from you know Brooklyn, New York, doing all of what you were doing in in New York, uh, to go to Israel. Well, it was it was actually a little bit similar to what you just described. I I, I had decided before I I had even visited. I decided that I was going to live in Israel, and it, it was it was basically it was an intellectual and emotional decision that I made but uh, the uh, there was a process I, I I went to Israel for one summer I traveled all around the country and visited just visit a lot of places and I and I uh, while I was going on I was I was involved in the process of study and, and learning uh, you know, learning Torah learning learning uh, history and and just um, you know just rounding out my my education that I that I never had. Uh, so uh, the uh, that was one summer. Then I came back to the states, 
and I I was teaching in New York City public schools, and I and I I went again the following summer, and I continued that process of of Jewish education, and as you know, learning the Hebrew language as well. Uh, then the the summer after that. I decided I was just going to go to Israel and, and stay there for an extended amount of time. And I I was there uh, just uh, doing similar things, just learning and growing and exploring uh, for about a year. And I came back to America. And uh, I was back here for a few years and uh, planning to come back for a year or two. It ended up being five and a half years uh, tying up... Uh, uh, you know, tying up the loose strings, as they say, and and preparing myself uh, for for a, a big move. So I finally moved to Israel in 1992, and and uh, since then I've I've never really looked back. It was uh, uh, there was never a doubt. There was never a question about whether I wanted to remain in Israel. What's the biggest difference? Between the United um, States and uh... I, the, the, I could give you a long list. Um, there, there, there are things that, that, that it has in common. There are some ways that living in Israel is similar to living in in New York City, uh, but they're but they're very mundane things. Uh, the, uh, the the primary difference is that in Israel it's a very small country. It's a very idealistic country. And when you're there, you can have an impact. No matter what you're involved in, because it's so small, you can have an impact. And uh, and that's what it was for me. I was I was very idealistic. I, I very much wanted to uh, to. I, I was always idealistic, even when I lived in America. Uh, but but here in Israel, I knew that I could have an impact. I became very involved. Very. very uh, active, active with the educational system in in uh, Shiloh or Shiloh as as we call it, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I, and then uh, I was elected mayor uh, of that town. So uh, so that that was my involvement at that point, and uh, obviously the 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 main involvement that I'm involved right now. Uh, came after it came came about a year after my term as mayor, uh, when I was coming back from Jerusalem with my three-year-old son buckled behind me in the baby seat, and we were we were ambushed by Islamic terrorists uh, who were on the side of the road with AK-47 assault rifles, and they were shooting at the car, and uh, I went completely dead when the bullets hit. Uh, I felt the bullet crash into my left leg. Blood started coming out all over the place. And I, I couldn't start the car. I couldn't get the car to start, and the terrorists were still shooting. Then I remembered I had my three-year-old son sitting behind me in the baby seat. I turned around to him. My son's name is Ruven, or Ruby, we call him. I said, Ruby, are you okay? His eyes were staring straight ahead, wide open. His mouth was wide open. He looked like he was trying to scream or to cry, but no sounds were coming out. And uh, he looked like he was in shock, uh, but I didn't see any blood on him, so I figured, well, I guess he's he's okay. He's just in shock. 
And I figured, let me let me start the car and get away from these terrorists who are still shooting. And so I turned the ignition again, and the car wouldn't start. I turned it again. I shifted gears, park, neutral, even drive. I mean, I tried whatever I could to get the car to start. Uh, it wasn't starting. And and I I, I figured that that's it. <laughs> Eventually, the, the bullets that they're shooting are going to start landing. Uh, they seem to be running away but and shooting from a distance, but who knows? Uh, suddenly the car started, and it started as if it had never had a problem starting before. I hit the gas. I drove 110 miles an hour to get to, to <coughs> excuse me, to get to uh, the next community up up the road where I hoped I could get an ambulance. And I, I, so I pull up. I pull up to the gate, and you know every community and. Samaria has a metal gate uh, the, the, to keep out car bombers. So I, I shout to the guard at the gate, ambulance, please get an ambulance. She didn't seem to hear me. There was a young woman on the side of the road uh, who, who, was, who was screaming, shouting, ambulance, ambulance, don't you hear? Everyone who was within sounds reach came running up to the car. A gas station attendant from the nearby gas station ran up to the car. He ripped up ripped off my shirt. He wrapped up my leg to stop the blood flow. He said, don't worry, I'm also a paramedic. I know what I'm doing. And, mm. and he, he um, you know, so he, he, took care, he took care of me, gave me first aid. And, uh, and meanwhile, he handed me his cell phone. He said, here, call your wife. Um, and I, I, I told my wife I've been shot in the leg. Hopefully soon mm. an ambulance will be coming to take me to the hospital and Ruby is okay, you know, three-year-old son. And and she, um, she said, okay, I'll I'll try to get there somehow. Uh, about thirty seconds later, an ambulance pulled up, and hmm. uh, the the two paramedics jump out of the ambulance. One of them runs up to the car and starts unbuckling my son from the baby seat. I said, no, please, just leave him alone. Leave him alone. He's just in shock. He needs to be with his Abba. He needs to be with his dad. He said, no, sir, I have to take him out. And he's, he, he cradles him in his arms. He starts running to the ambulance, shouting, he's also been shot. He's been shot in the head. Oh. A bullet had gone into his head, we later found out, with a skull meets with the neck, causing a skull fracture and internal mm. bleeding in the cerebellum. Uh, they wrapped his head with bandages, put an oxygen mask on his face, uh, connected him to an oxygen tank inside the ambulance and took both of us on stretchers to the hospital in Jerusalem. And we got to the hospital and uh, got, got into the emergency rooms. We were put in two separate emergency rooms and uh, on two different sides of the hospital because he needed to be in the intensive care unit of the children's wing. And they got to work on us. And after about 20 minutes, the head surgeon comes up to me and he says, uh, David, I just want to know that you are the 1,000th victim of terrorism, 1,000th victim of terrorism, mm. to be hospitalized in this hospital just in this previous year and a half. And I wasn't quite sure what he meant, you know, why this was important for me to know. I didn't even ask, but... Um, he said, uh, uh, look, I'm telling you this because uh, the media is masked outside this emergency room. They want to interview the 1,000th victim of terrorism and photograph you and your son, and I will keep them away. I'll protect your privacy if you so wish. 
And at that moment, I thought about all of the terror victims who we already knew, all of the children who had been killed in terrorist attacks or or who or other children who had lost brothers or sisters or parents and or had been wounded themselves and i I said, "You know what? you bring them in here, you could bring the press in i I have what to say, and I've been telling this story ever since, and I tell the story not just because of of our trauma because there there are a lot of people who suffer trauma. I'm, you know, I don't need to talk about it, uh, and you know, I don't. I don't need to talk about my uh, my opinions, my political opinions, or anything like that. I, but it was a story of miracles. It, it truly is a story of miracles. I was shot in my left leg, even though the terrorists were shooting from the right side, which enabled me to drive my automatic car to get to that ambulance. Secondly. The bullet that went into my son's head and through his neck missed his brain stem by one oh. mm. Yeah. So you know, so th- those things were just miraculous. But but even more so, on my fifth day in the hospital, I'm laying in my hospital bed and uh, I get a call from the car mechanic and you know, at that at that moment my son was in the intensive care unit. He was sleeping 22 out of 24 hours of the day because of the bleeding in the cerebellum. And when he was awake, he could hardly lift himself up. He had total memory loss, almost total memory loss. Uh, He didn't remember his sisters who came to the hospital to visit him. And all all that I can tell you is uh, I get a call from the car mechanic. And he says, "Uh, David, or David, I just want you to know we have the car. We started ordering parts. There are 49 bullet holes in the car, and we're going to do our best to fix it. So I said, I said, I really hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hang on, hang on. How many? How many bullet holes? 49 bullet holes. 49 bullet holes inside the car. Inside the car. Uh, there, there were seven bullets that actually hit the car. There were seven bullet holes on the outside of the car. Uh, but the bullets went in the car and went throughout the car. You know, this was uh, these are AK-47 assault rifles. The, the 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 bullets go in and they and they travel. Uh, so so it, it's uh the, the the holes were there. I assure you. Now, where uh, were so, you when this happened? Where were you? I mean, where where in where were you in uh, Shiloh or? Oh well, we were we were coming back from Jerusalem uh, on our way home to Shiloh. So we we were about halfway home when that happened. We're on a, on the dark country road uh, that is uh, known as Route 60, or the, or sometimes known as the Road of the Patriarchs. Hmm. And that that was that was the road. So. So, so how did they choose happened. to shoot you, though? I mean, w- was it just a random "Hey, let's kill this, let's kill this Jew"? I mean, what what yes. was behind it? Yes, exactly. Did anyone exactly. ever claim responsibility? Uh, we uh, the it was the Fatah terrorist organization, uh, which is basically the the main component in the Palestinian Authority. And and uh, the it was a it was a 
a terrorist cell, uh, several terrorists, and they are in jail at, uh, as we speak. So, and and mm. that has that has been confirmed recently that they are still in jail. But so, that, were they that, young that, people, that, or I, uh, I I don't recall how old they were, and I don't think it matters. Uh, yeah, uh, the reason I'm curious about that, and for our audience, is because one of the things that I speak about uh, all the time, and and I'm uh, an, an international expert on terrorism, is specifically Islamic terror. And one of the things I try to explain to people is, listen, you 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 need to understand that this is this is a different kind of terrorist. First of all, they start very very young, and we hear a lot in the United States, and I'm sure you know you you being from here and and seeing a lot of. Uh, U.S. television, you hear a lot about it's 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 not an issue of Islam, the uh, religious, political, and military ideology of Islam. It's it's about people self radicalizing and then being pushed to radical uh, Islam and to do radical uh, jihad. Uh, they they do it because they're pushed to it by things that we do. We're somewhere that they don't want us to be. We're doing something they don't want us to do. Uh, but in reality, they start very, very young. Uh, cartoons are shown to them where they emulate, they play games where they emulate cutting the heads off. And I mean, three to five years old, they're learning this right from the right from the start from their from their families. That's why I was curious well, look, about that. I wonder how old they were. Look, Sean, it's in, it's in the culture. They're usually young, and and they. And it's something that is in the culture, and it's in the culture of Islam also. And you know, we don't. Right. The the world doesn't want to admit it because it's unpleasant. Uh, because we, you know, we in the West and uh, you know, especially Americans uh, have a great respect for religion or religions. Other than you know, re recently there are more and more uh, atheists. And some some that are hostile towards religion, but but the but the point is that uh, the 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 mentality of this particular religion, if we want to call it that, there, there, there is a culture of jihad, and there is a culture that's jihad, meaning holy war against all Muslims, and there is a culture that says that that is something to be aspired to. And uh, so, so in uh, you know, in these Islamic terrorist organizations, that is the culture that they live by. Now, uh, now, yes, you could you could say that uh, that if if they're young, that they they've been encouraged to do it also for social reasons. Uh, but to a great extent, uh, the the culture of jihad is intertwined with the social structure. And it's it's something that that is to be aspired to in in the Islamic world, in much of the Islamic world. Doesn't mean that every Muslim wants to wants to kill Jews or 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 kill Christians, uh, but but it is something that they aspire to, uh, in, in, mm -hmm. to a great extent. And and remember, the Fatah terrorist organization, which is the ones who shot and wounded us and, and killed thousands of others, uh, they, they are considered the moderates uh, as opposed to the Hamas and the Hezbollah 
and uh, of course Al Qaeda and ISIS. So, uh, so if the moderates have these views, and if the moderates uh, just uh, attack a Jew, a, a, you know, Jew, a Jew, um, Jewish man and his uh, three-year-old son on the roads simply because they have license plates that identify them as such, as Israelis, uh, then, then there, there is a real problem. There is a cultural problem uh, that the Muslim world has to come to terms with and, and speak out against it. And so far, I haven't heard any speaking out against it. Well, that leads me to my next question, which is, and, and I appreciate what it took for you, as somebody's been shot, I appreciate what it took for you to drive that distance to keep a clear head. Uh, people think, oh, he's just shot in the leg, but they don't realize there are huge, huge arteries and veins and the vascularity of the leg is is enormous and you lose a lot of blood. Plus the pain, the pain in being shot is, uh, it, it's a, for me, it was very burning. Uh, it, it, like I got hit with a two by four and then the burn started. And then of course I started you know, to get very weak from loss of blood, but you drove a car and, uh, I think that's amazing. You're to be honored for that, uh, for doing that. And I, I praise Hashem for giving you the strength, uh, to do that. That's, that's awesome. So after that, you're, you're there, you get interviewed. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure you did have a lot to say. I'd give anything to hear that interview. Uh, but, <clears throat> And this is where it gets kind of uh, gets a little rocky with uh, mostly liberals in the United States. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if they're misinformed. And, and really, I'm speaking to a lot of the churches, uh, the Methodist Church, the Episcopal and Presbyterian Church. They've all come out and said, you know, we're, you know, we're going to boycott. Israel and, and companies that, that deal with Israel. We're, this is what we're going to do. And they get involved in this flotilla and all this stuff. And people think, oh, they're nice church people. They're very peace-loving people. They drive around with a little dove with the branch in its mouth on the back of their car. And just really, really, you know, you don't have the impression that they're up to terrorism. But they're aiding and abetting terrorists. What is it like to live? Because Shiloh is, that's uh, in the region of Samaria, uh, but the world knows it as the West Bank. A lot of arguments in the United States from people who have never been to Israel, let alone the West Bank, claiming uh, knowledge that they simply don't have. Tell us about what it's like to live there, what it's like to live so in the middle of, of this chaos. Well, you have to understand that I've been doing this for, for 25 years. And you know, so it's, it's not something that I'm not used to. Uh, you actually do get used to it, and you get used to the the reality that you're that you're constantly under attack or potentially under attack. Uh, there are there are periods of time when it's more intense than others. There are periods of time when it's less um, when it's less intense than others. Mm-hmm. So uh, so we. You know, we learn we learn to uh, to live with it, and and we learn to to move on. You know, it's a it's a it's a challenge. It's not just random crime, and that's that's the difference. It's a it's not random crime. It's a it's a challenge that we face in our lives, and we know that it's that it's an enemy who's trying to destroy us. And I'm determined, at least me personally, 
I'm determined uh, to do the exact opposite of what the terrorists intended, and and that's uh, and that's what keeps me going, and and that's how I, that's why I started uh, the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund for the purpose of healing the trauma of the terror victim children and rebuilding the biblical heartland of Israel through those children. So so my mission is is really what keeps me going, and uh, other people they. Uh, they just go on living their lives because they they also believe in 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 Israel's right to be there, and there, there, there's something about some when somebody does something to uh, to kill you and tries to kill you, tries to wound you, and tries to intimidate and scare you, which is the ultimate goal of terrorism. Then uh, there, there is a part of the human psyche that says. I'm not going to let them do it. I'm going to mm-hmm. respond with the opposite of what they want to happen. Right. Right. You don't want to cave to them. We've got to go on a quick break. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold for a second. I'll come right back uh, with you. Folks, we're with David Rubin, Rubin, former mayor of Shiloh, Israel. Uh, it's on the West Bank in the region of Samaria in Israel, and we're very privileged to have him. Hang on, folks. Uh, listen to this brief commercial, and we'll be right back. We will be back with Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, after these short messages. Hey, folks, this is the cool thing. Uh, Every now and then you run across amazing, interesting, fascinating people who are really, really smart, but they're also really, really hard workers. That leads me to my great, great friends uh, who invented, patented, and uh, have manufactured all in the United States a really powerful, powerful tool. By powerful, I mean it, it, it is a force multiplier, to use a military term. Uh, I don't know if you cut wood or you burn wood or whatever. You know, maybe you have a wood stove in your house that, house that augments your heat. I grew up, that's all we used was wood, wood heat. And uh, so I grew up in the summers uh, finding, uh, cutting, splitting, stacking, hauling wood. The only heat we had was wood heat. And if you didn't find the wood, cut the wood, split the wood, and stack the wood, well, then you weren't warm. And that didn't work when it was really, really cold. So there's this amazing new tool to tell you about. And my friends invented it. And that's why I think you'll be really interested. It's called the Log Ox. How you learn more about it is www.thelogox.com. It's a patented three-in-one forestry tool that's made right here in America. Now, there's this thing called a pulp hook, which we didn't have. When I was a kid, we didn't have it. We just used our hands, and we just tried to hoss it and lift and carry it, and it was really tough. But with this three-in-one forestry tool, the Logox, you can pick up easily with, with no strain a stove-length-sized logs from the forest floor without continually bending over and hurting your back. Now, what this Logox 3-in-1 complete set is it comes with two accessories, and what they do is they convert the Logox hauler hauler into a full cant hook for rolling larger logs instead of trying to lift them. Say, hey, man, I can't lift this. You can roll them into a better position or roll them up on a lift. Or if you have the timber jack, you roll it into a place where you can cut it right there to smaller, more manageable things. You use this timber jack, it lifts it up. That way you're not cutting into the dirt, ruining your chainsaw. Uh, and and that's, that's an awesome thing. Now, I, I want to explain again, this is American-made product, 100% American-made, comes with a lifetime warranty. 
And I'll tell you what, I wish I had this. But today, exclusively for my listening audience, when you visit www.thelogox.com and use the introductory offer code the Ninja Pastor at checkout, you're going to get $25 off your purchase of the Logox 3-in-1 Complete Set. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. Um, the next time you're out working in the woods, you're going to be saying, man, I really like the Ninja Pastor now. Uh, I like him better and better every day <laughs> because I'm telling you, it's a powerful tool. So go to the Logox, thelogox.com. Use the promo code the Ninja Pastor. When you're checking out for the three-in-one complete set, you're going to get $25 off that complete set. That is awesome. You'll thank me. Send me letters and notes if you, if you get one of these things and you use it. Tell me how it's saving your back. We'd love it. Welcome back to The Collision of Faith and Politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. Welcome back, folks. You are really, really fortunate to join me today. Um, we are speaking with Mr. David Rubin. He's the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel, uh, in the Samaria region, and you would know it as the West Bank. And so we've been talking to Mr. Rubin, and he told us the story about when he was shot, and his son, his little three-year-old son, was shot. And it's an amazing story. And I encourage you, if you're just listening to it now, go to theninjapastor.com. And for the blog post for today, there'll be all the links. You can go back and listen to this show um, free of charge. There's, there's no charge for it. So you don't want to miss a thing because, boy, when he told that story about when they were shot and what he did after uh, and, and what happened after that, it's just absolutely amazing. So, uh, Mr. Rubin, so you, you know, you heal from your injuries. Where is your son now in his progress? Is he completely healed or what's the story with him? Well, my son, at, at, since this was 15 years ago, my son is now 18 years old. He just uh, just went into the Israeli army. Oh, and, that's awesome. Uh, incredible, right? And, uh, yeah, and amazing. He's, he's serving in military intelligence. Oh, so, uh, praise so, God. You know, with, yeah, with God's help, it'll all be good, and, and, uh, and he'll contribute to his country. So I'm getting a ton of questions for you, um, and one of them uh, from a, a fellow radio host, uh, Kel, she wants to know, should Israel annex all of Judea and Samaria, a.k.a. the West Bank? Well, at, at this point, that is the big question. You know, we had this uh, press conference a few days ago uh, where um, President Trump sort of changed the, he changed the rules of the game. Uh, the Prime Minister of Israel isn't the one who changed the rules of the game, but President Trump uh, had the common sense to uh, to say that uh, that they have to, we have to explore whether whether there should be a two-state solution or a one-state solution or or some other kind of uh, solution, uh, some some sort of creative solution. And I think that absolutely. Israel should extend its sovereignty over Judea and Samaria, the so-called West Bank. I think that it should be done. It should be, should be done soon. Uh, whether it's done in, in phases, whether it's done all at once, uh, that's, that really 
should be open to discussion and and uh, but but I, but I don't think um, and I and I've written about this extensively in my book Peace for Peace uh, in Peace for Peace meaning P E A C E where I talk about how Israel should not uh, give automatic citizenship to uh, to those Arabs who live in Judea and Samaria, those who are not citizens, and and should uh, should de- develop a plan, as I have in my book, which which would uh, would give a nuanced approach and and would have a path to loyal citizenship, uh, which would have to be earned. Uh, no, no, no country automatically gives full citizenship to people who just, uh, you know, who are not citizens at all. Uh, there is a path. And, and you know, as, a, as I told you before, I, I grew up in the United States. My grandfather came to the United States from Russia in the early part of the 20th century, and he had to go through a whole process uh, of, of uh, legalization, so to speak. He was a legal immigrant, but but he was not a citizen. And he had to take a course, and he had, you know, an ex- extensive uh, course, and and eventually he had to take an oath, oath of loyalty to his country. So, I, so I say that everyone who is a non-citizen living in Judea and Samaria, or anywhere else in Israel for that matter, who wants to become a citizen, should have to take, uh, go through a path to loyal citizenship. Uh, but. Absolutely, it has to be under Israeli sovereignty over the full land of Israel from the Mediterranean Sea to the Jordan River. Everything in Israel's possession. All right, the next question is a hard one. Um, your, your son is serving with uh, the IDF, and everyone there serves, men and women. And it's it's a it's a compulsory thing, but... You know, and I'm a military veteran, the United States Navy, and and I can I can tell you it was it was my honor to serve my country. I loved it. I miss it more than anything else. I really, uh, it was an experience, such a beautiful experience. It, it sounds crazy, I and mean, we went through so much, but it was really amazing. The camaraderie, the closeness, the fraternity, uh, the love of your country. You write a check, all the way up to and including your life to your country, and you say, hey. You know, I'm willing to take this risk for freedom and liberty in my country. There's a lot of controversy, and I, I think that it's based mostly on misinformation. But I'm wondering if you would enlighten us with your feelings on compulsory service uh, there in Israel, but just in general, because you're you're living it now with your son, 18 years old, surviving what he survived. Um, what what are your feelings on that? Israel is a very small country. We have to remember that uh, we're talking about about uh, 10 million people all together, uh, including everybody, and it's the country that is the size of New Jersey, okay? even smaller. So the so the question is, uh, how can you defend a country like that when you're surrounded by Islamic terrorists on on all sides? And hostile countries, and true, we have a 
an official peace treaty with Egypt and Jordan, but but it's a cold peace, and it could it could quickly turn around into war in a minute. So uh, it's something that 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 we have to be very aware of that that you you cannot defend a country like that by just having a volunteer army. It doesn't work. Uh, in theory, the idea that, not, that yes, uh, Sean, you 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 loved your time in the army, but not everyone does. Not everyone is is totally suited for the army. But uh, in Israel, we don't have a choice, and everyone has to serve in the army. Everyone has to uh, serve in some sort of capacity. And, and, and on the other, so so that's the the downside. It's it's just by necessity. On the other hand, there is something very positive about it that uh, that by by giving to something that's bigger than yourself, that you are actually gaining. Uh, you you're becoming whole as a person, and you're you're learning that it's not all about me. Okay, that the, the world doesn't revolve around us. Uh, that that we're supposed to be a part of something greater, and that and I think that that's one of the wonderful things about having uh, having a, a draft and having everyone have to serve in some capacity, whether it's military or, or civilian. It's it's important to uh, to give to your country. Well, I agree, and I think what it does, you know, you see a lot of I call them hashtag safe space sissies in the United States of America. You, you know, they have to have safe zones. They're afraid of everything. Um, you know, I have many, many Jewish friends uh, in Israel and uh, also uh, in the United States. And uh, Jewish people tend to be more blunt. They tend to get to the point. Let's get to the point. Uh, and I like that. Personally, that's, that's, I communicate better with that. And, uh, but as such, folks here, many folks, and I guess it really starts in education system. I wrote a book called Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. And in that book, I talk about how the education system here is really, it's just a, the public education system here uh, predominantly is, is really, all it really is, is a, is a uh, propaganda and indoctrination center uh, sponsored by the government to make mostly liberals to, to make a decision about what they believe. And um, I've been, I've had several university classes uh, in Israel uh, and uh, the difference in education in Israel and here is dramatic, no doubt about it. But the safe space sissies here that are going around rioting and uh, complaining about everything, you know, you know, it's easy to set fire to a trash can and kick it over, and it's easy to jump up on a car you don't own or, and, or throw a brick through a, a storefront. But it's a whole lot harder to go through, you know, eight to 16 weeks of basic training, uh, go through schooling, and, you know, all these things. I'm telling you, uh, I, I would love more than anything for them to do two things for at least eight weeks, ride with a police officer for four weeks, and go to at least four weeks of any military boot camp, any military tr training. And at the end of that, tell me, you still feel the same way? You still feel that way? Because if you do, you're a lost cause, and we're not going to waste any more time, and, and we're certainly not going to expend any more uh, resources on you. So, you know, love, you, you said something that stuck out to me, and, and every uh, person that lives in Israel, uh, every person from Israel, 
that I know and that I talk to, they love their country. Doesn't mean they think everything Israel does is perfect. And almost every, almost to a fault, you know, when I ask them, I say, you know, how do you feel about, and specifically the United States, but all kinds of other, uh, you know, countries, but, but in the United States, just Americans have an element, some Americans have an element of arrogance to them about this whole uh, settlements and what Israel should do and just give them, you know, the two states, just give them more land, give them more land. Well, that's, that land was gifted to the Israeli people, the Hebrew people by God himself. And so it's not yours to give away, it's God's. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm very frustrated when I hear these people talk, especially the celebrities, I just did a video with some great friends of mine. It's available on Facebook and, and on my website, drshawngreener.com, where we, we give an answer to celebrities. And so what I'm, what I'm always moved by is whenever I ask an Israeli about that, you know, how do you feel about America and other nations speaking so uh, negatively about Israel and, you know, telling Israel what they're, what they should do. And they've never been there. They always laugh. They chuckle. Yeah. Yeah. We hear that. And and we do get tired of it, but you know what? You're never going to convince them. You're never going to convince them with facts. They just don't want to be troubled with the truth. When you're one-on-one with, I don't care where they're from America or, or any other country. And they ask you about that. What do you say to them? You know, if they have the temerity to say to you, you know, well, you should you should stop building those settlements and you should give land back. Gosh, if you just give that land to to the uh, air quotes Palestinians, all will be well. There'll be peace, which we know, of course, there's not. What do you say to those people? Right. Well, generally, it's coming from ignorance, and you know, sometimes it's ignorance, sometimes it's hostility, and uh, but but as I said before. We're talking about a country the size of, of New Jersey. Uh, if if we were to give them Judea and Samaria, the so-called West Bank, uh, the, the which is a, a mountainous region, they would be firing missiles at Israel's one international airport, and uh, the whole country would be paralyzed. There there is absolutely no security. Um, no security basis. There's no. There is not one military man who would say that it makes sense for Israel to hand over the hills of Samaria to the Palestinian Authority or any other uh, Islamic group, uh, or, or or any enemy for that matter. It makes absolutely no sense at all. It, it would be totally suicidal. And mm-hmm. anyone who's been there knows that 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 is the reality. Now, I agree with everything that you said before about how the, the land was given to, to Israel by God, and and I, I, I get it, I believe in it, and uh, and so that, that should be reason alone. Purity aspect just reinforces it, because there there is uh, no way, no way that we could give up uh, the hills of Samaria and Judea and expect Israel to survive. Well, I, I agree 100%. And that's the thing. One thing, anywhere I give a speech all across the country, 
I always explain, in fact, I'm giving a speech in, uh, I don't want to quote the dates, we'll put them on my website, two speeches actually, two days apart in, uh, I think, Kent County, Delaware and Sussex County, Delaware with the 912 Patriots organization. And uh, what I'm speaking about there is Sharia law and explaining what that is and how it, how it's put into place and, you know, how they kind of sneak that in to the culture. Uh, because again, as Islam is not a religion. It is a religious, political, and military ideology. And they use, they use the first two to weaken us, and then military they use to kill us. Uh, and that's just a fact. It's, it's played out that way all over the world. But when I give these speeches, I, I always ask for questions. I like doing Q&A. And I'm sure you do too, and I'm sure your Q&A is fascinating, as, as is the show. Um, we really appreciate you being here. But the one thing... Yeah that people will say over and over is, well, can't we just try giving them land and see how it goes? And I explain to them, the day Israel, you know, when Israel lays down its weapons, there will be no more Israel. But the day that the, that the uh, Islamists lay down their weapons, there will be peace. But as soon as Israel lays down its weapons and capitulates, Israel's done. It's gone. The country of Iran, with this terrible, terrible uh, nuclear deal, uh, and I'm I'm praying to God that that President Trump can undo that. They don't understand. It's it's easy, and, and I don't think Barack Obama was any friend to Israel. Sadly, and quite embarrassing. I was part of a group that we sent a million roses to the people of of uh, Israel after Barack Obama started establishing himself to be uh, so anti-Israel. Um, and, and I was proud to be part of that. But it's easy from the safety of your home in America, unless you live on the south side of Chicago or you live in some of the, the bad areas of New York City or Wilmington, Delaware or Detroit, unless you live in a, in a shooting zone, in those places, you have no concept of what it's like having to look around constantly, have your head on a swivel, to pay attention to people leaving uh, satchels and bags and backpacks, uh, and, and not even just guns and bombs. You and your son were shot, but now they use the vehicle jihad. They they drive all over human beings. Uh, one of my one of my good friends. Uh, they're they're both in heaven now, uh, but they. Uh, lived in Israel the very end of their life. Uh, they were they were from Israel and also uh, Russian Jews, and they wanted to die in Israel, so they did. But before they died, after uh, my buddy died, his wife was riding, and she was elderly, and she had uh, a driver. And so the driver, uh, you know, he, he all of a sudden he started uh, screaming uh, for her to hold on, and. Um, they were right near where this one vehicle was driving over people. They were not even a hundred yards. I think it was. And sadly she had gotten out of the vehicle. They were stopped and he had seen it coming and he didn't realize that she had already opened the door and was stepping out and he was screaming at her, get back in, get back in. And you know, that was terrifying. Now she died just a few months later, but terrifying. The American people have no concept of what that is like. None whatsoever. See, we have the Orlando thing, and then we have, um, you know, we have the other terrorist attacks in San Bernardino and other places, but that's nothing in comparison, nothing in comparison to what Israel deals with on a daily basis. 
and and so we try the concession. We try the concession, Mr. Rubin, and what happens to Israel? You know, Israel's gone. There's no appeasement. Well, we don't have the room. We, we do not have the room to, to play around. Uh, yeah. You know, what some, someone once uh, did a study of the populations and, you know, how many people, there were 3,000 Americans who were killed on 9-11. And if you look at the size of Israel, so we'd be talking about, you know, probably a few hundred thousand uh, proportionately. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I, I mean, we, we are talking about a, an intensity of terrorism that no other country uh, has faced, faces now or, or possibly ever will face. And it's, it's but if you believe in, in what you're doing, you believe that what you're doing is right, and then, then you... And you continue doing it, and you and you face up to the challenges. So, so that's what that's what we're doing in Israel. That's what we we in the biblical heartland of Israel are doing, and everything that I'm doing with the children, with the the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund. By the way, um, Sean, I'd like to uh, just get the website out there so people know how they can partner with us on behalf of the terror victim children. Uh, so, you know, they can just go to Shiloh, S-H-I-L-O-H, Israel, children.org, Shiloh, Israel, children.org. And they could find out uh, more about the, the work of the Shiloh, Israel, Children's Fund. And, and they can also go to uh, the other website uh, to get information about my books. And that is davidrubinisrael.com. That's David Rubin, R-U-B-I-N. DavidRubinIsrael.com. I uh, and I just put those on my website. So if you're driving, eighty-one percent of our listeners listen from a uh, smartphone, and so we have over a million listeners every week. And and uh, I'm praying that this gets out to even more. Uh, but um, if you're driving, you can't write that down, and you know the ninjapastor.com or drshongreener.com, and you're a visitor, you're a subscriber. All you have to do is when you get somewhere safe, go to the website. I have active links, uh, and they're nice, clean links. You just click on that. That'll take you right to Mr. Rubin's websites. Also, there's links to his book, uh, you know, how you get his book. So it, it's, it's easy. It's a piece of cake. So either way. Now, you published a book in 2010, and I have to say, I can't wait to get my hands on this book. The Islamic Tsunami, Israel and America in the Age of Obama. And um, tell, would you mind telling us a little bit, kind of kind of give us the, the, uh, the short run on it? Well, what's fascinating about the Islamic Tsunami is that it was written in 2000, 2010 and published at the end of 2010. And in the past year, I have had more people uh, ask me if that is my most recent book than any time ever before. Uh, this is what's happening now. You know, I'm not a prophet, but uh, you know, a lot of people have told me that the book is prophetic because it speaks about what is happening now, that the, the, the world is encountering an Islamic tsunami uh, of an extent that we have never experienced before. If you look at what's happened in Europe last year, that is an Islamic tsunami where the, the Muslims are coming in, they're flooding into countries in the Western world, and they are changing the face of those countries. 
you know, Trump's uh, ban on immigration from those seven Muslim countries, it's, it's a, a big understatement because it is something that is needed because if it doesn't happen, then the United States is also going to be overrun by people who are trying to take over the United States of America and change it from, and it's not always an organized thing, even though it is organized, but not everyone who's involved, not every Muslim immigrant uh, is, is looking to take over, but that is ultimately what would happen if the Muslim population in the United States still continues to grow as rapidly as it is. And if you have any doubts about that, take a look at Europe, see what's happening in Europe where the crime rates, the, 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 the rape rates, the murder rates are increasing rapidly as the Muslim population grows and as the attempts to impose the Islamic Sharia law grows. Uh, this is something that needs to be stopped. It needs to be stopped quickly. And the Islamic Tsunami is is the book that I wrote which which addresses that directly head head on, tells you uh, how uh, Israel and the United States are linked together in combating uh, this uh, dual threat that we face today. What do you make of the, and I know we're almost out of time, what do you make of, and, I, and by the way, I and, and, and all our listeners around the world sure appreciate uh, you coming on with us, and I hope that you'll consider coming on again. What do you make of the LGBT crowd when they go around in these marches wanting more uh, of these, uh, you know, I, I don't even want to call them uh, immigrants or refugees, um, the reality is, is they're, they're neither of those. Um, what do you make of them with their banners and their signs and saying, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with Muslims now. Uh, I love Muslims, you, you know, all the different crazy things. One woman yeah. walking around with a sign that says she wants to have sex with Muslims. Well, she'd be one of the first one they killed. I, what do you make of that? And, and, and how do we get through those people or, are they a lost cause? Now, I'll, I'll preface your answer. For me personally, I, I've written them off because if they can't do the simplest of research and realize they're going to get tossed off a roof or stoned or have their heads cut off, um, you know, just for being LGBT or even sympathetic to LGBT. But what do you make of that? Is, is, do you know of any way to get through these people? Well, I did write about this in the Islamic Tsunami. The... Uh, the, the the question is this: you, you you would you would look at the two groups, look at the far secular left, and which obviously are represented in those LBGTQ whatever other letters they want to add to it. Um, they, they you look at those two groups, you look at the far secular left, and you look at the Islamic ideologues. On the other hand, the two groups that you would think have so little in common with each other. Okay, the, I mean, the far left, you know, they believe, uh, you know, in sexual equality and, and gender equality and gender um, orientations, and equality in that and all of this stuff that the Islamic world is against. They're, they're, they couldn't be more polar opposites. So what brings them together? 
why is it that that at uh, the left wing rallies you see you see all, all of these Muslim uh, Muslim radicals standing there uh, shouting their um, their venom? Uh, it's because both of them want to bring down the United States and the rest of the Western civilization as a Judeo-Christian civilization. That is what they're against. And uh, so the, they have a, a, a joint mission, which is to bring down Judeo-Christian civilization. However, right. uh, however, they can't, um, you know, they can do that together. It's their short-term goal, but the long-term, they're going to be at each other's throats. So yeah. Israel and America are tied together in that mission uh, to uh, to counter that Islamic tsunami. Israel and America are tied together in the mission to bring a better world, uh, to bring freedom to the world, true freedom to the world, and to uh, and to stand for the Judaic Christian heritage, which which has made the United States the greatest country in the world and and obviously it all comes from its root which is the people of Israel the bible of Israel and the um uh, the um chosen people's heritage yeah exactly exactly couldn't couldn't be said better well i tell you what i sure appreciate you coming on with us today i know you're very very busy and uh, you've got places to go and places to speak. Um, if ever you uh, would like to come back on again, you're certainly welcome anytime. And uh, we just really sincerely appreciate it again, folks. For more information on David Rubin, uh, go to theninjapastor.com. The links are there. Uh, they're, they're lit up for you, so they're easy to find. You go over to blog, click on that, and, and it'll be super, super easy. Uh, and, and then if you're able to give at all to, to his mission for the children, look, you know, remember what, what he said. He, he told you all about the, uh, how he and his little three-year-old son, I think he said 49 uh, bullet holes in the inside, inside of the vehicle you were in. And you got hit in your leg and your son got hit uh, just at the joining of, it, of his uh, uh, spinal column and his skull and it fractured his skull and, and really major problems. Thank God he's he's now 18 years old and able to serve in the Israeli Defense Force. But, folks, if you didn't hear that story, you came on late, uh, go back and listen to that. It is very, very worth hearing. And But but I want you to think about what you can do to help the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund. You see, here in the United States, we don't have to live what they live with in Israel. Um, and, and as I said earlier, you know, we have the arrogance. Never, many, most of the people that say these terrible things about Israel have never been there, and they don't realize what they face, and they fall prey to the the fake story hashtag fake news of the Palestinian people. Air quotes Palestinian people. Um, they manipulate the American media because we're we're soft and we fall for anything. But the fact of the matter is, is Mr. Rubin is he is helping the children affected by this. And that's a very, very important task and one I think that we could certainly get behind. Mr. Rubin, thank you so much for coming on with us today. God bless you. Uh, safe travels back to Israel. And uh, perhaps when I'm in Israel, I, I will have to look you up and, and come see you. Well, thank you. You'd certainly be welcome. It's my pleasure. All right, sir. Take good care. Thank you. So, folks, there you have it, uh, an amazing man, 
and living an amazing life in an amazing land. Uh, folks, you know, remember what I said, you know, Mr. Shiloh is a featured speaker throughout the United States, Europe, and Israel. Um, he's on the radio all the time, television all the time, and we were honored to have him. We have uh, Mary Beth to thank for that. Uh, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, and he lives there with his wife and children on a hilltop, ironically overlooking the site of ancient Shiloh. Um, and this is the hallowed ground where the tabernacle of Israel stood for 369 years in the time of Joshua, Hannah, and Samuel the prophet. So uh, that's a powerful, powerful thing. What a what a great opportunity to have some insight into um, a life that that he and his family and and all of the people around him have to live, and and that's extraordinary. Quite frankly, I think that is absolutely extraordinary. So let me say this. Um, people are sending me messages about this saying you haven't mentioned second call defense uh, in a while. If you go to my website and you click on that second call defense banner at the bottom, if you own a gun uh, and, and, and absolutely if you carry a gun, uh, but if you own a gun, if you use that gun, you are not protected. In fact, it's specifically excluded from uh, coverage for your homeowner's policy. So if you own your home, it's not covered. If you have a rental policy, you live, you're renting somewhere, you have to use a gun, no matter how righteous your use of the gun is, or even possession of the gun is, you can still be sued and your insurance companies will afford you no protection for that. You need to understand that that's a fact. Now, if you're a person, you're not really a website person, um, you can call up and get information by dialing 877-502. 3300. That's 877-502-3300. You want to give them this number, 20630, 20630. Now, if you join on my website by clicking on the website, you don't have to join. It's free. You can look at it. They'll send you free reports. They're not going to hassle you. I'm not going to hassle you. Um, but um, if you go to the website, it will be automatic. You'll automatically go. Now, what do you get from that? You get a free month. They send you a check back after the first month of your full payment of your first month. Now, some people are sending me uh, questions. Well, you know, what do I lose if I don't have protection? I mean, if I don't have insurance, they can't sue me. Well, there are a thousand things you can say or do in the aftermath of an armed self-defense situation that can get you into serious trouble. The littlest, did you guys know, when you dial 911, the second you hit that last one of 911, if you live in an area that's covered by 911, because of the enhanced 911, it starts recording your voice before they pick up. You can be arrested, jailed, sued, fired from your job. You can be bankrupt. You can lose everything. Now, people are sending me messages. Well, my homeowner's policy does cover me. Look in it. They say, oh, I have an umbrella policy. That doesn't mean a thing. That doesn't mean a thing. Umbrella policies, they may provide some civil liability coverage but not if you're charged with a crime. And many times you'll be charged with a crime and the protection that they provide you is minuscule at best for firearms related things. People say, well, won't a public defender keep me out of jail? No, they won't. First of all, understand that most public defenders hate guns. They hate guns. They, they hate the second amendment. They hate guns. They don't even understand the use of lethal force. They'd be urinate on themselves if they ever even held a gun or saw a gun. They're overworked and they're underpaid and their resources are pitiful at best. Look, I'm not betting my freedom on that. I'm telling you right now. People are asking me about the castle doctrine or stand your ground. These laws help you mount a case for self-defense, but they don't protect you from arrest and prosecution if authorities think you did something wrong. 
there's been people, I know these people personally, have lost everything. They used a firearm to, to defend themselves and their home and their family. And they've, they've literally lost everything, everything. And they did everything right. So don't fall prey to that, please, if, if you will. Don't fall prey to that. Pay attention. So go to theninjapastor.com. Look at the bottom, the red banner, the second call defense. Click on that. You get a bunch of free information. Nobody's going to hound you. Nobody's going to pressure you. Um, you get a month back free if you give them this number, 20630. Or if you click on the banner, it should be automatic. Otherwise, if you call in 877-502-3300, you give them that number, 20630. You get a free month. Folks, I so appreciate you joining me today. I know this was a, a little out of whack because it wasn't what you're used to. Um, and, and, you know, we were kind of flexible here. We, we got an opportunity to interview Mr. Rubin and I thought, you know what, he's leaving on Wednesday. Let's have a special show on Monday. So I so appreciate you joining me. You can show your appreciation in two ways, uh, for what we do, uh, cause I underwrite all the costs of this and, and, uh, we have a donate button on our website. If you're so motivated and thank you to those who have, um, it doesn't have to be much and it's all through PayPal. It's very, very secure. Um, but the other way that you can help us, maybe you don't have any money at all. Uh, maybe the other way you can help us is by sharing uh, the links, share my website, uh, follow me on the website and follow me at the Ninja pastor. And, and um, I deleted a 300 and some friends today on Facebook. Uh, so there's people in the queue and that's filled it up. I think we're still at 4,999, but send us a message, send us a friend request. We go through and we evaluate them and, um, you know, we'll, we'll bring you on to that, but share, share, share. That's the key. And comment, if you will, if you've enjoyed the program, that always lets me know that folks are listening and, and they appreciate what we're doing. Well, listen, God bless you. Uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun today. Um, obviously, you know, what a great guest. And uh, I know your friends and family will appreciate this too. You know, you might think about sending this link uh, from today to some folks who maybe they're pro-Palestine. For whatever reason, they're pro-Palestine. They, they just don't get it. Um, send this to them and implore them to listen. I, I do believe it'll, it'll, it can make a difference if we drip, drip, drip. But if it doesn't, after listening to this program and, and all the other things, kind of, you know, we talk about this all the time. We give them evidence. We give live people, the people who live there, um, statistics, and we back it all up with, with great footnoted sources. You know, if they don't get it, then they're not going to get it. And you just have to accept that and realize, you know what, if they don't get it, they don't get it. Um, and move on. You know, it, it's just all you can do. Thank you to the folks that have joined us in chat. I really appreciate that. It's always good to see the lively discussion that goes on there. It's a very respectful bunch. Uh, and I'm honored to have you folks. That's it for today. And, uh, Again, thank you for joining us. I know that you're busy. You got a lot going on. This was kind of a last minute type of thing, but you know what? You hung in there. Don't forget to listen to our hundreds and hundreds of hours of free programming uh, over on listen at the ninjapastor.com. Uh, we're also, I think, on uh, iTunes and all that stuff under Dr. Sean Greener. So we would, we would love to have you uh, give a listen. Use all the resources. Thanks again. God bless you. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter 
at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drshawngreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight. <laughs>